0: came across a child struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you recognize a 13-year-old boy who gets he into fights, fights at school? school? Not because he's a boy,
1: but because he's hungry.
0: Or a two-year-old girl who cries all night? Not, not because, because she's sick, but because she went to bed without enough to eat. Or maybe a
1: nine-year-old boy who hopes a friend invites, invites him to a sleepover? Not, not for fun
2: just so we can have dinner. Or a 15-year-old girl who goes for walks over lunch so her friends won't know she doesn't have anything to eat. I
1: am the one in seven American children who struggle with hunger. Kids you pass by
0: every day but never knew were hungry. I am child hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 food banks strong.
2: The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities investment advisory services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
0: Well, it's Saturday morning. I'm Tom King. I'm in the studio. Merle Kelch is joining us live, but he is on location. That—that's a summertime thing. Merle is at his palatial estate in northern Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, it's a shack in the woods.
1: It's a shack in the woods. Okay, yeah. but, right. but we do have internet, obviously, so it's nice. Indeed. All right. Well, we're going to
0: hear. We're going to see you in the studio at some point as we get into the fall, because
1: uh, two more weeks, my friend, and I will grace your presence I, by I, my being there.
0: I appreciate that. All right. Seven one five eight 715-845-2155. Phone lines are open. Merle can take questions today, even though he is uh lounging probably in his uh what uh well it'd be his the, workout uh, you finger, your, your workout clothing
1: <laughs> that's that's it i'm in my workout leotard. okay all in right. my in my uh yoga pants and uh oh boy shoes yeah oh, so okay. i got a mat out i'm ready to go
0: all right hey the market had a good week let's talk about that a little bit we always talk about when it has a down week let's talk about when it has an up week
1: well i'm not prepared for it being good the good news <laughs> okay
0: uh, well, what happened this week that, that, that made the market go up? We didn't hear we didn't hear from the Fed. That's coming in the next couple of weeks, and so it'll probably go down again, right?
1: Yeah, largely the, the marketplace this week uh, just kind of looked at the, the economy and said, well, the economy is starting to slow down. Uh, so, again, it's one of those odd things where uh, uh, bad news is actually kind of good. So, again, folks, there's this thing that's out there, and we had a lot of conversations this past. We were clients about it, asking questions about the term. We're waiting for the Fed to pivot again. Um, folks, which is interesting to me, is over you know thirty years in this business. I finally heard the term pivot this past week, or this uh, past couple of months. In, in the past, we just simply call it you know when the interest rates drop. But unless what happens here, uh, Tom and everybody listening, is that the Fed is trying to drop inflation in, in the classic way, um, uh, all la Paul Volcker, is you basically kill the economy off, and it makes uh, inflation drop down, and you rebuild from there. So the Federal Reserve has been trying over the course of this year. Um, probably a little bit sooner has been to try to slow the economy down enough to drop inflation down to acceptable norms, which, by the way, is a 2% inflation target. The,
0: the idea is not to kill the economy like Volcker did in the 70s. It's to get the exactly. quote-unquote soft yeah. landing,
1: right? Precisely. And then, to, At some particular point in time, you slow the economy down. And then the term that they're using is to pivot to rather than increasing interest rates, you start dropping interest rates. And so that's what that's what the market is waiting for. And so Uh, in that some of the economic data that was coming out last week is showing that the economy is slowing and the market went yeehaw. and and uh uh, maybe the pivot's coming sooner and it starts jumping back up again so that said uh it being september i have expectations they're going to go oh crap it didn't work out real well and it's going to start dropping down again so september's always a jumpy month uh, in the marketplace thank god we're halfway through that but um you know the information as far as Employment, profitability, all that sort of stuff is, is is sticking around. It is still pretty good at this point in time, uh, with exception of the real estate marketplace it's starting to slow. And we'll chat about that. That's some of the uh, articles that I popped up, Tom. But you know, so so that whole pivot then is, is driving the market and saying, hey, I think we're going to be okay. Maybe the soft landing is going to work, uh, driving the marketplace back up, and of course making us all happy. So now, for all of you that saw me last week in my office and we did a review when things were crappy from the week before, mm. come see me again next week. <laughs> look a lot better. You like you like
0: it better when your clients come in and, and the market's doing well, as opposed oh, to when yeah. it's doing bad.
1: It was, it was fantastic. I, <laughs> I really enjoyed twenty one. Yeah, it's a good year for reviews. Twenty two has been a little bit tough, you know. Um, so so the you know the whole thing in here is, is folks, you got to just kind of hang in there and keep the faith because at some pretty good point in time we're going to have that pivot. I don't know if it happens in one month, two months, or three months, but at some pretty good point in time we're going to have that pivot.
0: What do you do because, to protect yourself until then?
1: can't you just have to keep a stiff upper lip if we can uh, use that term from our british friends um you uh, just have to keep a stiff upper lip and go through it you know we have so many people that uh, they want to jump out and quit and say well i've had enough i can't take it anymore well you have to be able to sleep at night i get this but but it, it always happens when you're going to into a recessionary environment or a time like this inflationary recessionary it, it always happens just like this and people get nervous and they start running out um, and that's when other people start going and saying, well, we're going to buy stuff up on sale. Um, and then it pivots, it goes back up, and people to sit there going, well, what did I do? Because not only was I down 20%, but now I missed the, the 10% upswing, so now I'm really out 30. Yep, and that would be accurate. And So you have to hang in there. But you have to, you have to also be smart about some things. You know, folks, we've talked about it in this program for the last 30 years we've been doing this. Well, 20 years, I'm sorry, that we've been doing this 30 years I've been in this business, is that, you know, when interest rates go up, bond prices drop. And I'm still finding people who have bond funds, you know, bond mutual funds. i sitting inside of portfolios right now. Now is just not the time to be owning them. If you want things that are not inside of the marketplace to help um, shield your volatility, those investments are out there, uh, but it's not bond funds right now. Talk to your financial professional about some other options and that stuff. Um, but uh, that, and folks, i got to put it out there, and Tom, for everybody listening, if you have target funds inside of your inside of your 401Ks, you know, a lot of places have target funds where, uh, uh, Tom, let's say you're going to retire in two years and it's going to be a target fund 2025 or 2024. And those are just really laden with bonds right now because they're getting ready in those funds to have you retire, and so they keep shifting more and more bonds. And so you're putting money inside of a bond fund um, that is going to continue to keep having issues with the rising interest rate environment again. Chat with your financial professional and say there are other alternatives rather than this at the moment because those will continue to have issues as interest rates increase. So just a of preparation and maybe taking those assets and allocating them someplace else. What are some
0: of those other alternatives.
1: alternatives? Well, inside of a 401k, you're going to have you know, most things available to you. Um, you know, the alternatives would be, again, this is going to be based upon the conversation, folks, between you and your financial professional. If I give you an idea of what to take and what to buy, don't take it on here because it's not may not be consistent with what your particular feelings are about risk and reward. How's that for a hmm. you know a uh, you know con- or what's the word I'm looking for compliance type of a line? Not bad, is it for such an early morning?
0: Compliance would be like CYA, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> you got it. So anyway, you know the things when, when this pivot starts to occur, folks, the things that are going to go up the fastest, and they always do. That would be like your small and your mid-cap types of investments. But if you're having nervousness about the marketplace now, those places get a lot of juice to them and a lot of volatility. So you may even have more nervousness to contact that financial professional, but that would be the place that's going to rise more when it pivots. Now the question becomes, and I've had this conversation with clients this past week, is when does that pivot occur? Uh, Does it happen during the recession um, in the middle of it? Uh, no, typically it happens uh, somewhere just before or, or something in that nature. Um, you know, we have to have some sort of a signal that we're having a recessionary environment. But the pivot doesn't necessarily happen during a recession. The pivot happens um, at some particular point in time when it looks like inflation is under control. May or may not be inside a recessionary
0: cycle. Well, everything we've been hearing from members of the Fed and former members of the Fed this week is that there's another interest rate increase coming and. In- one guy oh, said uh, yeah. that it's going to go up to 4% probably sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, I, I would think so, too. Um, we're making preparations and everything we do that uh, we're going to go up to that 4% mark. And, and, Tom, you and I look at it and say, well, 4% not that bad because remember the 80s, you know. Um, anybody that bought a house in the last five years is having a heart attack. You know? So uh, just a difference of perspective and, and age and experience in the middle there. Um, yeah, so I look that, back at it, that
0: and I wonder how in the world did we make it? That yeah. with what we were making in salary at the time and the interest rates we were paying on loans, how how in the world did we even survive?
1: Um, you know, house prices were cheaper. I think at that point. Well, in time. sure, that's true. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think that made it. But uh, my my first house was thirteen point one percent was my uh, yeah. my interest rate on it. And you say, like holy cow! You know, uh-huh. so so in here, what typically happens then is, as that pivot occurs, the stock market tends to jump up. And so if we look back in history, we see the stock market tend to go up during recessions, which we look at this and go, what? Well, again, the stock market is forward-looking. And so when that pivot turns and interest rates drop, it tends to jump that marketplace up because of what the marketplace is then going to do into the future. And so you know, we can't look at it in the sense that you know, we have a recession, the stock market's going to drop. Well, it may or may not, but typically when that pivot happens, that interest rate change, we start to see that market driving for what is to come, in the economy, the marketplace, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have to just simply make some adjustments now. And again, see your financial professional for that. Um, And prepare for what's going to happen in a year two years down the road. That's the way we have to look at things.
0: Well, how about uh, short-term? I I was just reading a note on CNBC. What about short-term? Because Scott Menard, global chief investment officer at Guggenheim Partners, says Mm -hmm. don't cheer the rebound as the bear market is still intact and a big sell-off is around the corner the widely followed strategist called for the S and P 500 to decline 20% from now until mid October, and he said it could be a buying opportunity if and when the equity benchmark falls to the range of three to 3,000 to 3,400. Do you see a that big of a drop coming in the next you know month?
1: I just want to say the word Guggenheim. Yeah. Um, it, no, I, I, just, I just don't. Um, I don't see that out there. Uh, and again, folks, when I say this stuff, I'm not a predictor of the marketplace. I'm just, uh, and I'm not a reader of the tea leaves, but we look at the profitability that's inside of corporate America. And when profitability starts dropping, that we're having negatives and issues, you know, now I have more concern, but right now I just don't see that. Um, I'm not saying we're not going to drop. We're certainly going to go bounce up and down. It's the normalcy for right now, Um, but um, we just don't see it. Now, real estate, um, home purchases could be having an effect, but I don't think it's going to have an effect in the next couple of months, as he said. Um, But real estate, you know, new home purchases. Um, building is down 20%. And, and folks, that's going to have a reverberating effect throughout the, the entirety of the housing marketplace. And that will have an effect coming through the rest of the, the GDP and the economy too uh, with the housing starts because, of course, we need to have copper pipes and nails and windows and glass and all that sort of stuff that goes into a home with the home purchase dropping so much. And all the real estate marketplace is largely um, on the shoulders of the rising interest rate environments with people not wanting to have mortgages and build new homes so it's 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 having its effect as you would imagine with interest rates being as they are um, in fact more than twice a year ago right now for interest rates for homes
0: yeah it makes it pretty difficult well i, I shouldn't say makes it difficult because as you said uh, they're still not as high as they were years and years ago but for as yeah. you said for folks who have been looking at houses and looking at home loans for the last, what, five, ten years. Uh, it, it certainly is uh, kind of a rude awakening when you see what's yeah, happening.
1: Yeah, well, we've become accustomed to having mortgages at 2% and 3%. and Folks, that's not the norm. Yeah. Um, we're entering more of the norm right now. We had a, a young couple in our office yesterday, uh, and I'm sorry, not yesterday, on Wednesday. And um, they came in there, you know, uh, came back home to town and and uh, now solid inside of their careers and jobs and that whole bit. And they said, we're thinking about getting a house. I said, get one in the next couple of months. As uh, one the interest rates tend to come, or I'm sorry, the, the prices are slowing or coming down now for housing. So we'll be able to find that and have a little bit better negotiations. Um, but I said, interest rates are going to continue to go up. I said, so if you wait a year, um, you might have a better house price. I said, but your interest rates are going to be a lot higher. I said, maybe the next quarter might be a, a really good time to take a look at um, buying a home for the long term. Um, and, and some of that is out there, but uh, we want to lock into better interest rates right now. If you have an adjustable rate mortgage, I would suggest locking it up uh, sooner than later at this point in time, because the interest rates probably are not going to start uh, dropping um, at least over the course of the next few years, and you can have a quite a bit of a shock on the uh, uh, the rise of the payment and the interest
2: rates you're going to end up paying.
0: All right, seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. We're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more
2: statements may not come true. Securities investment advisory services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA, SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch and Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
0: And we're back. Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch on location. Merle, we've got a phone call. Let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hello. Hello. My
1: name's Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Morning, Matt. Uh, What are your thoughts on the I-bond Paying 9.62%. Well, they you know, look fantastic, which I think is uh, wonderful. You know, so um, I bonds have been getting a number of calls in this past week, and, and uh, I mean, one of the best places to go. Let I me mean, make sure I say this: is to go to TreasuryDirect.gov to get the information on that. You know, the I bonds are great. You're going to receive that interest rate for about six months, um, and just because I just looked at it, you have to buy them between before October 22nd for this next round. Uh, maximum is 10,000 bucks. And uh, you're going to have to hold them for a few years, though. Um, you can't sell them out in one year. Um, and I think that the interest rate on in the I-bonds are still going to continue to go up um, probably for the next year, maybe year and a half yet. So I don't have a, much of an issue with them. Um, but, again, your max is 10000 And so it um, uh, works well for that $10,000. Yeah, but, unfortunately, you're not going to go much more past that uh, unless you stack some up, of course. All Can right. Th- you? Thank you.
0: Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, I-bonds, Remind me again, is the the same as a regular savings bond, or how does that work?
1: Well, through the government, and so they give you a base interest rate, which the base rate really isn't all that much. Um, but then they add on to, to that inflation. So with inflation being so high right now, the bond rates are at you know, 9.6 uh, and change uh, that Matt said and everybody else. So with the I-bonds, you can buy a $10,000 max. You get the uh, interest rate for six months, and then it's readjusted again if you want to up it. It's readjusted uh, again for the next six months. So, I mean, we can look back 10 years ago, Tom, and the I-bonds actually had a negative rate of return. Um, And so that wasn't really very attractive at that point in time, so they weren't popular. But now everybody sees the 9.6% and they get excited about it, which rightfully you should. Now, in the I-bonds, I don't have the exact information in front of me, but you have to keep it regardless for one year. Um, and then within five years if you sell it you lose three months worth of interest i think it is which you know not that big of a deal um, uh, but you have to keep in mind of that part of it you put it in you can't just take it out next week and, and that whole bit
0: we well, you talked you so, talked about a limit of ten thousand. but you also talked about the ability to stack so you could do more than ten thousand. Yeah, i I've,
1: I've read about it now i don't have any experience in it personally but i've read about it where somebody says okay i'm going to buy one but well, then i'll buy another one and then i'll buy another one so um, I believe we can do that. I believe it can be done. Um, so, uh, so you could have more than obviously one I bond. But, of course like everything else, you have to keep track of it. Um, but TreasuryDirect.gov is where you're going to find all the information you need to know about the bond marketplace. What are the and, other? And, and you're doing that direct with outside of brokers and guys like me. So you're doing that sort of stuff direct.
0: What are the other uh, government type investments that uh, look good at this point in time for folks who are done. looking to? None? Okay.
1: okay, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, everything else is having the same effect as um, uh, uh, all the other bonds are having the same effect as all the other financial instruments that are interest rate related. Though the interest rates are going up, you have to hold them for a long time inside of their maturities. Um, I'm a bigger fan at this particular really point in time, um, rather than using bonds. Now, the I-bonds got a great interest rate right now. We just have to understand the illiquidity uh, that can be with them. But um, in here, um, uh, most people with I-bonds, i, I got to back this up, believe you're going to get that interest rate for the long term, and it's not. It's for six months. That's, that's what you're going to get it for. Um, and so then it's going to reset to whatever it's going to be after that next six-month period of time. So you're not going to get the 9.6% like Series E's where they you know, you had them um, for 10 years or 15 years and double E's getting that same interest rate, and that's not the case with I-bonds, I guess. So they
0: could go up in six months?
1: Um, potentially. Um um and they could go up or six and they could go down you know we don't know so let's say 6 months from now tom inflation is not at you know 8.1% or whatever it might be here uh, coming up uh, let's say it's at 3 well your your i bond interest rate is going to be the base rate you know plus inflation and you might only get uh, 4% on and you can't it. So
0: sell, and you we can't sell them
1: um, Well, you have to hold it for 1 year after 1 year you can sell it but you're gonna lose some interest rate yeah okay you're gonna lose some interest uh, as a penalty on it so that's the important thing to note on the I-bonds.
0: I guess so, talk talk about, well, I'll tell you what, we did take a break for some news. When we come back, talk about the importance in your mind of having investments that are liquid. Uh, we've talked a lot about on this program how you like to be able to Pick and choose and to be able to move in and out of certain situations Mm -hmm. and not be tied down to uh, whether it be, you know, uh, the kinds of investments that we see advertised on late night TV or whatever the case may be. Talk about that when we come back. The importance of of keeping your your uh, your your, uh, investments liquid. We'll do that when we come back after the news here on W.S.A.U.
2: Being unemployed. Underemployed or just out of school feels a lot like that.
0: But when you find the government from the blockchain,
2: something's coming to the talk chain. They talk a good game. Join the conversation right here. Let's see if they put their money where their mouth is.
0: News Talk WSAU. Tom King back in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today. For years on this show, you've been talking about the importance in your mind of keeping your portfolio liquid as much as possible i guess talk about how you do that and what are some things to look for in making that happen
1: you know first of all let me define what i think is liquidity um we'll have some people that will come through and say well i'm very liquid because i have a um uh the ability to write a check against my house i I don't call that liquidity by the way Um, i might call that just simply creating more debt but we have to have some liquidity which is um, so money that you know we have the ability to uh, put in the marketplace in times like this. So we have some money sitting inside in cash or near cash or items that are not inside of the marketplace. Um, uh, so so that's what we mean by liquidity here that you can you know you invest and put some money in. The second form of liquidity would be money that you can turn into cash um, relatively quickly, and that would be anything essentially non-IRA. Because IRAs, you sort of certainly have to cover the cost of taxes and that kind of stuff with it. So, you know, so for example, um, uh, you know, Merle's XYZ stock that I own, I can have turned into cash in about a week or week and a half if need be. So, I, I call that to a certain degree some liquidity, but it's that ability to float and make adjustments with. Now, um, investments that we'll use in our office to guarantee some income streams are they're, they're not illiquid at all. I mean, they got to stay there for five, seven, ten years sometimes. Uh, but they're designed to do stuff differently. They're designed to just keep spitting out cash or income. You know, for example, Tom, if you have a, a laddered bond portfolio, um, you're buying bonds in there that are 10, 12 years out, sometimes 15 years for the maturity, um, but all they do is just keep spitting out cash each month, and so you don't care what goes on with it. You just don't want to disrupt that apple cart, so you just leave it. That's long-term stuff. But the short-term stuff and having some cash, um, it, it makes sense to have that, you know, for example there's a, a number of stocks that i like personally and i obviously i'm not going to say the name but you know, there's a number of stocks that are out there that their their prices are down you know 20 percent 30 percent one of them's down 50 percent this year And you know, when i look long term you know five seven years down the road i think they're just at a tremendous price on a buy right now so well the stocks at um,
0: 50 percent down aren't you afraid that it's in danger of cratering completely
1: no the the differences is the stocks that were that i'm talking about and again Um, I I can't tell the name and say go out and buy these stocks. But um, the difference is they're making money. They're still making profit. They're still putting stuff together. They're just guilty by association. And those are my favorite things in which to buy. Those stocks that dropped down because all their neighbors were dropping down and having problems, and they went down because of that guilt. I love those stocks because now I have the ability to buy them up at a nice price. And and there's several that are out there over the course of the next couple of weeks will probably start doing some shopping personally um, with some stuff that's down right now. And so to do that, of course, you have to have a little bit of cash on the side that you can go through and start buying some of those things out or to take advantage of some things when they happen, um, such as, you know, real estate marketplace right now. We look at that and say, well, geez, the real estate market is dropping. If you got a little bit of cash in there, you might be able to invest inside of some real estate um, as the prices seem, seem to be coming down. Um, you know, maybe the next year or two, you'll be able to buy some real estate that will, again, go up in value over the course of the next years, a couple of years. And so, folks, this is lessons that I've learned. i got to say this, and I actually wrote a note down for this. Um, um, from my older clients and wealthier clients that I've had for years. Uh, unfortunately, one of them has passed away here in the next couple of years. But when we'd start having stuff like this and the stock market would start dropping, um, I knew they were going to start calling me in the morning. Um, in fact, in 2008, when we saw the stock market drop some thousand and some points, I was actually um, going on a trip out west, and I turned around and came back um, because the market was dropping so much. Um, in the middle of that, I knew it. I came in the office and right away at 8 in the morning he said, I have some preparations. Let's start buying at 8.30. And so at 8.30 in the morning we started buying. As the market was just in turmoil, this client is just buying because he pulled some cash out that he had. Started buying in the marketplace. and it, it Multiples, they paid the money back again. So it's always good to have some of that liquidity sitting around, um, just in case. I mean, folks, it could be Five thousand dollars, or twenty five hundred bucks, or ten thousand dollars. You look at it and say, "Well, geez, I can buy something that's going to do really, really well in the next three or five years." And those opportunities are out there, um, and uh, it's getting better. And and uh, it's always a good idea to do that. And again, chat with your financial professional about that stuff because there's some good stuff that are out there.
0: One of the yeah. thing, one of the things you've always complained about annuities is the fact that most of them are so illiquid, uh, yeah. and that yep. that you don't like them for that reason. Um, I would imagine that's still the case at this point in time, or are there annuities out there that would work for people? Um,
1: you know, I never really thought I was old in this business, but I'm, I'm sure it's heck there. <laughs> you know, it, it used to be, Tom, that um, you couldn't sell annuities or regulators and compliance officers went crazy if you sold annuities that had long surrender charges, you know, like that seven, eight, 10 year stuff. Uh, because the belief was is that they didn't have liquidity in case you had to, pivot, using our new term, um, in case you had to uh, move money out of annuities and someplace else, you had that liquidity involved. And liquidity was the main thing. And so for years, that was the way it goes. And so companies would create annuities that had no surrender charges to them. Um, And I thought they were great ideas because you could use all the benefits of the annuities and you had liquidity too. Um, And now that's entirely changed. Now, uh, if you have an annuity that has Short surrender charges, let's say two or three years, are no surrender charges at all. The internal fees go up a little bit for the insurance company to cover their costs, um, and now they're uh, out, out of, uh, out of love with the uh, regulators, and it just cracks me up in that sense. So, we use annuities and always have as long-term investment vehicles in our in our business. Um, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't really, you know, use it that way, uh, but now uh, regulators don't want you to have any that don't have any surrender charges. So. They still have great benefits to them. And we use annuities for income for our clients on a regular basis. Um, uh, but now we have to plan that once we put that money in there, it's long-term. We're not changing it for years and years. Um, it goes through. You just have to keep that in your mindset. Again, also the reason you don't put all of your money inside of annuities. You still have to have that money that has liquidity and maybe have some cash to take advantage of things along the way.
0: You know, when the market is in turmoil or when the market is changing like it is these days, there are always those things that come out uh, that promise lots and lots of stuff. And the whole idea of, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. What are some things that you're seeing in the investment world these days with all of the turmoil in the markets that people are trying to uh, sell to folks that maybe aren't all that they are advertised to be?
1: Boy, you know, Tom, I'm getting um, a lot of questions and calls coming in on REITs lately. And I'm not picking on REITs. I'm just throwing a warning sign that's out there. You know, the, the, I always in my office and a lot of my colleagues that are in the business that we do work with, um, we're always trying to look forward. And look forward is what you have to do in my industry, in my opinion, in our industry to be able to not only be successful personally, but successful for your clients. You have to look forward. You know, the stuff last year is not going to matter anymore. Um, and the biggest one is REITs, you know, real estate investment trust. Um, first of all, um, the bulk of them are usually private, so they're highly illiquid. In fact, you put your money in, um, you don't know if you're going to be able to get it out or how you're going to get it out for a uh, private REIT. And they're all based upon how good real estate was, and notice the past tense in there was. And they're saying, this is, look how great we've done. This is how awesome we've been. Well, now we're entering an environment with rising interest rates, which means higher costs for the REIT. Um, and at the same time, in a real estate value, that looks like it's dropping from everything that we're seeing and measures on. Um, and they're still trying to sell them based upon last year. And that's one of the things that's kind of driving me nuts right now because they're being sold as something great. But if you look forward, it's a kind of a you know one of those scary places that's out there. And that's one of the biggest warnings if I... Would have to say for people out there is watch REITs, know what's inside of it, and if you don't know, um, chat with a, a second person other than the person proposing it to you. Um, you know, you
0: get a second opinion, as it were. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and,
1: and I really recommend that because I mean, your REITs right now is like if somebody's trying to pitch you a bond mutual fund, uh, be, because they they could really shoot you in the foot. Uh, it's just the wrong time, again, my opinion, to start using REITs or putting money inside of REITs. Again, looking forward. Is not the right place, and that's what I would look at. Tom, let me uh, me change uh, pace here a little bit. I want to pop up with an article, and I'll I'll get the article up here. But um, an article was done, and I read it here a little bit earlier. And in the article, they had a discussion of um, what happens, obviously, when um, we have a, uh, a midterm election. And instead of that midterm election, um, and I'm trying to pop it up so that I can uh, give uh, credit to the person who wrote the article, and it is popping up, honestly, it'll really be here one day, folks. (laughs) Promise me, or I promise you. But in here, he went back um, since 1954 forward. And um, with that, uh, and this is uh, Mark Halbert, and I knew it was him too, by the way. Um, so, in here, he has an article that says a strong market rally could be just weeks away if the U.S. midterm elections can put anxious stock investors at ease. So, in this article, he just uh, chats about um, what the, uh, uh, it would look like with uh, the elections going on. And so, since 1954, there's always this time that the market was kind of hit a downturn and stopped. And uh, he said it's usually between October. Uh, to mid to beginning of October to the uh, uh, beginning of November that the stock market hit the bottom. And in doing so, tends to climb dramatically um, afterwards. Um, and uh, as a result of uh, my own thing is is election years, people start getting excited about the euphoria of their new elected official being able to change the world. Um, and apparently, that happened inside the midterm. So going back to 1954 to date... Um, somewhere between the beginning of October and beginning of November, it uh, spells a uh, a bottom and then the stock market runs up. So that being said, um, I run into another article that is talking about the outflows in cash going outside of the stock market. Now, outflows doesn't sound like it's very exciting, but um, what an outflow is, folks, is simply this. Uh, the amount of cash is leaving the marketplace versus coming in. And so, when outflows are bigger than inflows, obviously it means that people are taking risk off the table. They said we've had enough; they're putting that cash someplace else. Um, and uh, going forward, now the reason that's important is, in our industry, uh, you know, one of the old uh, uh, rules of thumb is that when the small investors getting out, the big investors start coming in. You start seeing the marketplace drive up. So, one, when I look at this midterm article and I look at outflows increasing. It's, again, signaling to me that we we might be at some sort of a bottom that this kind of turns. Um, and it's very interesting to me to see that. Now, again, I'm not telling you the world's going to, the change is going to uh, do it that way. But history tells us that um, there's some indicators that might be that the stock market could go uh, up here in the next couple months.
0: All right. We're going to take one more break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Connolly, a candy for soldiers on this day's Baffling series of events everywhere. Everybody.
1: Stay tuned. Extremely
0: important. Now listen to this. This is it. Accurate information. We need to know today. This. This is 2022.
2: News Talk WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities investment advisory services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA, SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
0: Tom King back in the studio and Merle Kelch on location. We've got a few minutes left. If you'd like to get through with a question for Merle, give us a call. I was in a a local convenience store yesterday, and right next to the ATM machine was a machine where I could buy some Bitcoin. Oh, geez. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They have started marketing Bitcoin to the consumers that are out and about in public in convenience stores. What does that mean for the cryptocurrency as an investment, and is this— uh, I would imagine you're going to say this is bad because the average person that's there buying bread, milk, and and uh, and, and potato chips doesn't know anything about Bitcoin and will probably try to look at it as, as something new and, and quirky and will try to buy it and probably lose their can, as you like to put it.
1: Tom, I think there's going to be a lot of people not able to walk <laughs> because they're going to keep shooting themselves in the foot. Mm. So there's a reason that, for example, um, there's not a vending machine at the gas station where you can just simply buy stocks. Uh-huh. And it's because it's a little bit more complicated than just doing it that way. And all these would be the same. The unfortunate part is that um, Bitcoin and that sort of stuff is not regulated from any degree. And, and, and folks, I'm not a big person in regulation. Lack of it, in my opinion, is better. But certain things need to have some regulation so people can understand. Um, and and uh, this is one of them. Um, you know, I've had the conversation with some young people who says, well, I want to start investing, so I'm just going to do some Bitcoin because I, I can do it through my cash app. Uh, you know, I'm like, what? You know, you know, just you literally stop and say, how's it investing? Well, I don't know anything about anything else. Well, maybe this the time for learning is here, you know. And and boy, I just do not see that uh, going anyplace positive over time. Now, the company that's creating the machine is obviously going to be profiting from it because there's going to be some sort of a fee in which you're doing so. Um, but uh, Bitcoin and uh, the like, our cryptocurrencies are really having some some problems right now because people are realizing that they're actually not a real asset there's nothing to be holding the computer program you're buying into
0: you mentioned um, you mentioned cash apps um are those like venmo and those kind of things are those publicly traded companies and which ones have seemed to i mean obviously one is probably going to win out and become the cash app that's most popular uh, what do you see in that field? Are those publicly traded companies, and which ones doing better than the others at this point?
1: Well, you know? I think I think both of them—both Venmo and Cash App—are owned by somebody else. I think Cash App is part of Square. Um, I forget who Venmo is part, but they're they're part of those companies. Um, it, it, you know, it it, it it's they're, they're essentially a more efficient version of PayPal.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I, you know, I I find them uh, though I don't use them frequently. When I do, I find it uh, pretty easy to do. And if you want to you know, buy or sell or trade with anybody who's 30 years old, Tom, you have to have it now Yeah, because they don't know what a, you know, a debit card or a checkbook is. Right. So I'm, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, obviously. No, but, but it's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's an efficient movement of, of uh, assets like PayPal. PayPal did all the hard work on it and did the heavy lifting, and these guys are benefiting from it. So is there going to be one that stands out? I, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm not sure one way or another, but I don't know how much is generating from a profit center from the companies that do them other than it just puts their name out there. Now, that said, um, I think Cash App, for example, they're benefiting from, if you want to buy some of your, uh, if you want to buy cryptocurrency or, or uh, Bitcoin through their app, they're charging a fee for that. I just think that they should do something a little bit better than um, uh, than that sort of a practice.
0: You know, we talked, uh, I don't know, it was a few months ago about uh some companies that you looked at and you thought were, were going to do pretty well going forward. We're College football is in full swing, and now the NFL kicks off the regular season tomorrow, and these, these gambling apps like DraftKings and FanDuel, of course, are becoming very popular um, because mm-hmm. NFL betting has gone through the roof since these uh, gambling apps have been okay, now you can't gamble, uh, you can't place bets in Wisconsin on these apps. You can play fantasy sports for money on these apps. They, I guess they consider that a skill as opposed to, you know, gambling. But um, is DraftKings still a company that you're interested in? Because uh, I know you had mentioned it as one of the ones you were watching months ago. Yeah,
1: I, you know, one of the things I like about DraftKings is they continue to keep getting uh, um, uh, more and more states involved and in saying that it's okay if they be doing the online betting with them. Um, and, and I really like that. I, I, think, uh, I think they've got something there. Now, I'm not an online gambler and a better and I don't do that. Um, but if you're going to be a company that's going to um, do online betting and gambling, you need those types of approvals, and they're doing a pretty good job of going around the States. And so I still do like them um, uh, a great deal. There's an article out here, Tom, that I want to tell people. It's, it's, it's part of Philip Van Dorn, uh, who, of course, is a, an opinionator commentator on uh, MarketWatch.com. He, has a, he was calling it a deep dive. And he says, the 12 semiconductor stocks bucking the down uh, down cycle trend. Uh, and this is a really good article, folks. And, and if you're a, a trader or you wanted to start looking at stuff for the long-term future, look at some of the, the chip sectors in here that are chip companies that are down, others that are even, that kind of stuff throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, this is what I was talking about before, having some cash and looking for some places to buy. Uh, really
0: Intel's is br- building those two big companies in Ohio. I've got to believe that their stock is going to be on the upswing at some point. Uh,
1: exactly. I mean, uh, uh, not only going up in value, but um, uh, maybe taking some market share, too. Who knows? You know, so, so a really good article. They're looking at, you know, some of these larger companies that have been proven to make money for a long period of time. You know, inside of this article, I'm looking at it. Here's Micron Technology down 51%. Intel's down 26%. Uh, the designer of chips, of course, uh, would be NVIDIA. They're down 31%. So we're looking at some good, strong names that um, uh, you know, you're know you looking at saying, well, geez, these are really down. Is that a good time for us to pick some up? But take a look at this. Uh, their information comes from FactSet. Uh, they have a pretty compelling uh, conversation in the middle of there. Um, and uh, uh, great article. I think uh, it would be worth your time to read, folks.
0: All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that?
1: Monday morning, we'll be in the office, uh, bright and early at the crack of 11. That was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be there uh, bright and early in the morning, stop on in, kick the tires, say hello and hi on 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wassa. You can give us a call locally at uh, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wassa area, we think it's still working, 800-355-3100. And the reason for that is because... uh, uh, we're switching phone providers, folks. All right. Or you can always find us online at com.
0: All right. We'll talk to you again down the road. That's all right, buddy. Merle Kelch, Kelch Associates in Wausau this morning. We're coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the news. The polka shows are on the way. Badger football this afternoon. The Badgers in Washington State from Camp Randall. Pre-game show at 1235. Following that, it'll be Brewer Baseball tonight against the Reds from American Family Field. That's all happening right here on WSAU. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sits